Hi guys, it's Ariana. Thanks for listening to One Story. One Story is a conversational series that aims to unite our community by inviting those around us to share their unique story. Through differences and similarities in our stories, we hope to illustrate that each person has an equally valid and meaningful story to share and foster an environment of hope, open-mindedness, and positivity. In part eight, you'll hear from Michaela. Michaela Jenkins is a two-time 2021 Paralympic swimming champion. After seven years of training, she earned a spot on the Tokyo 2021 Paralympic team and competed in five events. Michaela's journey to Tokyo began when the director of a Paralympic meet noticed her talent and willingness to work and encouraged her to commit to swimming full-time. Although she was born with proximal femoral focal deficiency and had her left leg amputated at eight months old, Michaela thrived and now serves as an inspiration to those who have had to overcome similar obstacles. In part eight, Michaela will speak about her journey to swimming, to finding her identity, and how she became a Paralympic champion. Thanks for listening. Okay. Hi, guys. Um, Michaela, thank you so much for being here. This is, like, extremely exciting. And like I told you before, 12-year-old me is dying a little because I used to be a swimmer. Um, so the first question that I ask everybody, there's, see there's people that trickle in and out, yeah. Um, the first question that I ask everybody is, I'm making a playlist, and I need a song from you to add to that playlist. Yeah, so I would say Original Spin by Mother Mother is easily okay. one of my favorite songs. Um, I listened to it before any um, race I have. Uh, in Tokyo, I listened to it probably like four or five times, <laughs> because I just keep repeating it, because it just makes me really happy. <laughs> Original spin, you said? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so with that, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, family, interests, all that stuff? Yeah, so um, I'm part of a family of four. I have a younger brother. Uh, He's just learning how to drive, which is scary. Um, I have a dog, two cats, a fish. I love my fish. (laughs) I live in Evansville, Indiana, and um, I really like to read and I like drawing a lot. Are you you more of a dog person or a cat person? Dog, definitely. Good. That, yeah. That's right. Um, okay, so at you were born with proximal femoral focal deficiency, um, and you unfortunately lost your left leg, uh, left foot, left right. foot yeah. and ankle when you were eight months old. And your mom actually found that she's a physical therapist. Is that yeah. Right? Uh, okay. So my mom was the first one to diagnose me because um, one of the nurses came in as they were like scrubbing me off, and she said, "Oh, I think your daughter has hip dysplasia." And my mom was like, "Well, you're not going to just tell me that." <laughs> and expect me to sit here. So she goes and she diagnosed me, and then um, her boss, which is now the head of surgery at the Shrine Children's Hospital system, came in the next day and he formally diagnosed me. Wow. Um, Wow, okay, so then when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, you mentioned that you didn't really notice your amputation until about puberty-ish age, Um, and that's when people started to point it out. Um, And so I just wonder how you were able to like move through that time Um, and not let yourself be defined, I guess, by that. Yeah, I mean, you always notice it. Um, I mean, especially growing up in elementary school, the most common thing you get, oh, so you're a cyborg or you're a robot, and you have to be like, no, I'm not. But um, when you hit that, like, puberty stage, and this is for most anyone who has a disability, that's when you really start to notice it, because puberty is hard enough, let alone going through and like growing up with a disability, you're like, oh, I do look different from other kids, and you want to try to blend in 
Um, I think that was the period of time in my life where I would try everything I possibly could to look as normal as possible. So I hated wearing shorts. Um, I had my leg, uh, it was like a nude color, and I had like a fake ankle I put on it to make it look normal. So if I wore skinny jeans, it was, uh, it could blend in. So then it was um, also around that time that you met someone through uh, one of your paramedics. Her name was Queenie Nichols, right? Um, and she's now a family friend of yours, as I understand, right? Um, but you met her through a paramedic, and um, she introduced you to the idea of competitive swimming um, and told you that if you took swimming like, really seriously, you could really make something of yourself um, and become a really excellent swimmer. So could you share a bit about your experience with her um, and sort of your introduction to swimming? Yeah, so I've been swimming on and off since I was eight. Um, but in 2016, my uh, coach at that time was like, have you ever prepared me? And I was like, no, what's that? Um, so she explained a little bit about it, and it's basically, um, it gives kids with disabilities a chance to swim with other kids like them. But it also gives them a chance to be introduced into the world of elite athletics, um, especially through the Paralympics. So I went up, and that was probably like April of 2016, so it was right before Rio. So all the big names were at that meet because they were trying to get um, more swims in so that they could practice before Rio coming up later that summer. And um, through my classification, Queenie Nichols was the current head, uh, she's retired now, but she was the head of US Paralympic Swimming. And she watched my classification. And she told me, she goes, Michaela, you're really good for somebody who swims two days a week. She was like, if you really put your, like, your heart and soul into it and you train, she goes, I think that you would end up making the Tokyo 2020 team because, um, and I was like, okay, sure, why not? I was like 13, I was like, might as well try. So I went and I like trained really hard the next year and I made my first junior national cut in 2017. Wow. And you sort of like went from there. Yeah. Um, so you started to really improve and, and things started to get really serious with swimming. Um, I just wonder like, at what point did you think okay, like I might actually have a future here. Um, and like, what does that feel like? Yeah, um, so I probably, the first time I felt that was when I made the national team in 2018. So we have levels in the national team, you have junior national team, and then you have the actual national team. And I made my first national team cut and I was really excited. And I got invited to be on the Pan Pacific Championship team um, later in that year in 2018. And that was my first real Team USA trip. And I was the youngest one there, I was 15 at the time. And I think the next youngest athlete was like 19. So the fact that they brought me was a really big deal to me. And um, I was excited just to swim and see what I could do. And um, Yeah. Um, and then from there you sort of started to gain swimming publicity, uh, like for lack of a better term, I guess. And then with that came an opportunity um, to be a, a role model for younger people. Um, and so you told me about a child named Mia. Was that her name? Maya. Uh, Maya. Um, and your relationship with her a little bit. Um, could you share a little bit more about her and what it's been like just to be able to be that role model for other people, um, not only for younger swimmers, um, well, but now like for everybody, because I'm assuming a lot of people watch you know, the Olympics. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I met Maya through uh, my swim club team. Uh, she was a part of our Sea Serpents program, which I was an instructor for at that time. And um, 
I really got to know her and her mom as I was uh, helping to teach her how to swim and to swim different strokes. And that summer, her mom asked me to give her private lessons so that she had somebody else who had a disability who knew how to work with her disability in order for her to get better because she still couldn't do things like starts and flip turns, so we worked on that a lot. Um, and a lot more opportunities like that have happened because I swim and I have a little bit more of a platform. And that's probably my favorite thing about it. I've been able to uh, counsel parents as they're trying to decide the best treatment option for their baby if they have a PFFD and I'll meet with them when I'm at uh, Shriners Hospital. Oh, wow. And they'll ask me, they'll be like, so having an amputation, are you able to do everything you wanted to do? And just essentially calm their nerves. And I, that's been one of my favorite yeah. parts. Yeah. Um, so like sort of going off of that, you told me when we spoke a few weeks ago that, and I think I'm quoting you exactly here, you said, the swimming could go away tomorrow and I wouldn't care. Getting to be there for people like me is the best. So just elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. Um, and is, is, is being the role model for, for others the high point of sort of having that public platform? Yeah, and um, so I do love swimming. I really do love swimming. But I think it's the relationships I've been able to um, gather throughout that that has been my favorite part. Um, there's several kids in my hometown that have PFFD, which is rare. Um, it's like one in like 500,000 my wow. birth. So it's the fact that there are like two kids in my hometown is kind of crazy. And I've been able to meet with them, and um, I don't even think role model is the best word for it. It's essentially just get to know them, and they get to know someone who's older, who has the same condition as them. And in a, in a way, it's just like other people have done for me, it just solidifies that you can't get through this, and you can do whatever you want, and you can live a pretty normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you qualified for Tokyo which is so cool. Um, and then you end up at the Paralympic Games, um, which I imagine, like, that just has to be, there's no way that's not, like, the rush of a lifetime. Um, and just, like, full of excitement. I mean, right, and there's no way it's not. Um, it's more, like, the most stressful four weeks of my entire life. Really? Well. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and yeah. there were a lot of fun moments uh, within that. But um, I don't think I've been more mentally, emotionally, and physically just exhausted yeah. after uh, four weeks because it's it's just everything is new everything is different um, you're on all the time you're doing interviews you're at the pool you're all, your cameras on you so it's just it, it was a lot of fun yeah um, but it was very exhausting <laughs> yeah so I it, did it go by like pretty quickly then um yes it was and a no month. it like went by like quick but then I was like it feels like I've been here for six months and I'm ready to go okay. home <laughs> but you were there for a full month um yeah roughly okay um like I just wonder what was it like to get there and realize that, like you did it like you made it what, what what does that feel like um I as I've said to a couple people um it was a sense of pure relief by the time I finished swimming my hundred fly all I could do was like, I'm done. I came and I did my job and I did what I needed to do. Because when you think about a certain moment and you dream about a certain moment for five years and that is the only thing that occupies you, like when you're practicing and you're like, I gotta do this and I gotta continue swimming to get to this goal. By the time that that's done, you just, it's just, for me, it was just pure relief. And yeah. I was just like, okay, I can relax now. Yeah.
Um, how many have you been in five months total? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious. Um, do you have a favorite memory from your time in Tokyo? Or, like, was it just all a blur, sort of? Um, I think that there's no real particular memory other than just hanging out with my friends. Um, I had a really good uh, suite, so I had a lot of great girls in my uh, room. And all of us would just laugh and hang out. And I think if I had to pick out one particular moment, or probably two, um, it was after our 4x100 medley relay, because our 4x100 free relay got disqualified. So this was a redemption relay. Um, oh. And they had won gold also. So just having that, we were all excited and pumped yeah. and relieved, and we were making jokes and having fun. And then the last night we set, um, me and one of my other friends set, another friend up on a date so we like followed her around the village and we we're like seeing how it was going so that was a lot of fun <laughs> do you keep in contact with the other like the swimmers that you met yeah. from that's awesome yeah um a lot of us even though we're competitors we're still really good friends i mean one of my best friends is um one of my biggest competitors and she lives in australia so we wow. keep in contact pretty regularly that's awesome yeah that's super cool um so being a paralympian obviously that gave you public recognition and a platform. Um, how do you not let all of that stuff, for lack of a better term, define you and not let it change your like sort of central identity? Because if that were me, it would be really hard to not let it like totally define me. And it would also be really easy for me to put all of my self-worth and value into that like title, um, like being an Olympian. But it seems like you've managed to stay pretty grounded um, and not do that. And I'm just curious as to how you've like, pulled that off. Uh, yeah. So pro I think it comes from a sense of I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my swims. So I was able to go and I swam and I earned two gold medals and I'm thrilled with my performance. But I swam for me really, really slow. And I was really disappointed in myself. And I was like, you had so much more in you. You've been training so hard the last five years and you haven't dropped since you were 16. And I was like, just kind of going on in my head about it. And I was like, and I think that's part of the reason why I stay grounded, because I, I know I have bigger goals I want to reach in terms of swimming. But also, um, I, in my, how I think about it is that I work as hard as I possibly can in practice, but when it comes to competition, it's all in God's hands. And God decides if I win or if I lose. So I know that I need to stay humble through whatever I accomplish or whatever I do, whatever I win, because God can take that away at any moment. And so I just need to focus on training, and then when I get there, just working as hard as I can and trying my best. Seems to work pretty well for you, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess the public like sees all your success and all of your hard work paying off, and from the outside, at least to me, it looks like everything sort of went according to plan. Um, and work out like the best it possibly could have. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if there was ever a time when, looking back now, you wished you had did, done something differently or wish that things had turned out differently for you and, and how you handled that. Yeah, I mean, there's always instances in your life where you can look back and be like, I wish I did that differently. I wish I uh, trained harder. I wish I did this. I wish I'd skipped that. But like, how I think about it is, those things happen, they happen for a reason, and you kind of just have to move on with your life. So I try not to live in the past and stay in the present. Um, and I think that if I 
get too focused on the past and like, well, I should have trained harder in the month of March, then I'm gonna just beat myself down and I won't be able to yeah. even function, let alone swim at yeah. a high level. So. Yeah, I, this isn't, so like that attitude of like sort of letting things go and, and knowing that, you know, what's in the past in the past, has that helped you like with like this transition to college at all or just knowing that like you, like I guess it could be compared, not, not comparing the Olympics to a test, but like it could be compared to a test and that like you do your best and then if and when, I'm sure you do very well, but like if and when you were to fall short, it just, you did everything that you could and that's now in the past. Yeah, so I, it's one of those instances where I try to do that in my head, I'm like, you just gotta move past it. But I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist yeah, when it comes to schoolwork, yeah. so I'm like, there's weird things I'm hard on myself for, yeah. and so swim and school are two of those. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if self-doubt is something that you've ever struggled with, because in my mind, um, someone who makes it to the Olympics can't have very much self-doubt. <laughs> Obviously, I'm wrong, but you're human, and, and everyone doubts themselves sometimes. Um, so if that's something that you've struggled with, how do you cope it and move through it? Yeah, no, self-doubt, I mean, obviously, I think it happens to everyone. Totally. And it will continue happening throughout my life, and I even have lots of self-doubt now. Um, and it's kind of back to what I said, is you just got to know that you've done everything you can, especially when it comes to swimming, and you just got to go and do your best. Because um, it's an old saying for sports, but... Training is 90% physical and 10% mental, but when it comes to competition, it's 90% mental and 10% training. And you just gotta recognize that and just put everything that you're feeling aside and just focus on what you need to do. Yeah. Um, this is the last question I have for Michaela, and then if you guys have any other questions, you can feel free to ask them, we will come around with the mic. But um, when we talked, you mentioned this overarching theme um, that you live by in your life, and you said that, you know, use what life has given you to the best of your ability. Um, what, does that, what does that phrase mean to you and how has living by those words shaped your life? Yeah, so I think that, like I said, God allows everything to happen for a reason. And I was given a disability, I was amputated, and I could choose to do nothing with that or I could choose to use what he's given me and try to show his glory through that. And I think swimming is what I'm called to right now, and that may change later on in life, but um, and through swimming, I mean, like I said earlier, parents have been able to contact me and ask for uh, guidance, and I've been able to meet kids like me, and so they have someone older to look up to, and um, I really think that's what I was supposed to do. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. If um, anybody have any questions for Michaela, you guys can feel free to ask them. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of two questions, but one, what brought you to Grove City? And two, if you have a favorite Bible verse, what is it? Okay, um, so I'll answer the first one first. Um, I came here to a swim camp my freshman year, and since then, you can make the head coach because He's been on my tail before he could even like legally recruit me to NCAA <laughs> records. He was calling me, he was telling me he's working things out with the NCAA coordinator. So, um, and also I really wanted a good like Christian college. That's a great STEM program and a great swim team. And that is very hard to find. Um, and then favorite Bible verse. So there's actually a fun story to this and it's kind of what I talked about earlier. I, when I was born, they didn't know I had PFFD. 
And so uh, my mom had actually read this verse in the Bible when she was pregnant with me, and it's uh, John 9, 1 through 7. And um, my Uncle Hoover brought it to her attention after I was born. And it's essentially, it's Jesus, and he's talking with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are asking why this man had been born blind. And Jesus replied with, he's not born blind because him or his parents have sinned, but um, because he can show God's glory through what um, disability he's been given. And I think that really applies to my life, kind of like it was, I was talking about earlier, because I think that I wasn't born with a disability because of something I had done or my parents had done, but because I'm able to show his glory. Any other questions for Michaela? Oh, yeah. Behind you. Behind you. Thank you. Um, so obviously you're young and you've accomplished a lot. Um, how do you cultivate like a lifestyle discipline? That's a good question. Um, so I'm naturally not a very disciplined person, which is funny. <laughs> I'm very lazy. I'll be brutally honest. I have to keep myself busy or else I will get nothing done. So it's kind of like I have to get this done because I have no other time or else it just won't get done. So it's definitely something that's acquired and not naturally there. <laughs> wow, I would have guessed, I mean, you're literally an Olympian and you just know that you're lazy. I would have not guessed that. Wow. Um, any other questions for Michaela? Oh, yeah. I was just wondering, and I don't know if you mentioned this like before I walked in, but do you have like a role model that really inspired or inspires yeah. you? Um, I have, at least for swimming, I have two. Uh, Becca Myers, and she is a blind athlete. Um, she's been on the team, I think she's gone to like two or three games, and uh, she was one of the first athletes to notice me as I was coming up, and she taught me so much. Um, she gave me, actually she gave me my suit that I wore and it had USA on it and it was pink and it was uh, not released yet to the public but she is a contract with Speedo and she's part of Team Speedo and she gave me that suit for my 100 fly at my world championships Aww. in 2019 and that was my first ever international gold and yeah. um, that was also, up until that point, that was my biggest win so far and so um, she's done a lot for me wow. um, and just mentored me a lot and then Lily King is from my hometown and she's an Olympic um, Breaststroker, and her mom coached me for many years, and I can't tell you how many times I've called Lily and Jenny, which is her mom, and I've been like, "Help! I I don't know what to do." So wait, is she the one with the finger? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so do you still talk to Becca? Uh, yeah. So okay. I talk to Becca and Lily pretty regularly. I wow. only saw Lily last weekend, so. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Any other questions for Michaela? Yeah, Sydney. She's coming. Hang on. Yeah, so I'm hoping that I have at least two more games in me. Um, I would like to, my Paris will be uh, in 2024, so that'll be like the beginning of my senior, junior, senior year. And then um, I would like to continue swimming and try to swim in LA in 2028, just because it's, it's home turf. And I think that'll be a really good games to retire with. So, um, but my rule of thumb, if, it, if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to swim anymore because uh, I learned that through COVID that that's probably the biggest takeaway I had is that I need to have fun with what I'm doing. And so if I feel like I want to retire like after college or even during college, I will. 
is has his training here been fun so far? Yeah, no, I love the team. The team's okay. great, That's and awesome. um, I really love Fritz a lot, which is the head coach yeah. and Harry. Yeah. Any other questions for Michaela? No. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Check back in a few weeks for part nine. We'll see you then.